Well, welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. I am your host, Michael Delaware, and today I have a very special guest on with me to talk about a man named Liberty Hyde Bailey Jr., a native son of South Haven, Michigan, who became world-renowned and respected as the father of modern horticulture. Today, there's quite a presence of his legacy at Michigan State University, where his methods and discoveries are still taught, as well as in colleges and universities around the world. Dan Williamson, the director of the Bailey Museum and Gardens, has taken time out of his busy schedule today to join me on the show to talk about the museum, the gardens, and the legend behind the museum and the gardens, Mr. Liberty Hyde Bailey. So welcome to the show today, Dan. Well, thank you very much. I think that's the intro, and uh, I'm very glad that you reached out and connected with us to talk about my uh, namesake at the museum, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, okay, First great. of all, yeah, I am the chair of the board of trustees. I'm not the director. We're very okay. fortunate to have hired a director after two years of shutdown, um, Julie Bunky, and you can find her on the website who has a history of museum experience. So she's brought a lot in five months to the museum. So wow. uh, anyway, uh, I got involved about five years ago and am now chair of the board. And we really are committed to promoting the history and legacy of Liberty Hyde Bailey and it's Dr. Liberty Hyde Bailey, uh, who earned, I believe, about 25 honorary doctorate degrees, even though he never matriculated through a doctoral program. Wow, but isn't that amazing? Of his, yeah, because of his contributions. Yeah. Um, and and um, when you mentioned the intro at Michigan State, when he was 17, he told his father he was going to go to Michigan Agricultural College because that's what it was called at the time. Okay. And he went off there, uh, and there were a couple of profound events. Number one, he learned a lot. Uh, number two, he became a professor there. I guess the third part is he his roommate was a gentleman who 50 years later, his roommate's uh, widow gave and uh, bought and gave the house Liberty Hyde Bailey was born in, in South Haven, which is the museum to the city. So wow. going to Michigan ag culture had three big events in Bailey's life. Um, one of which is now benefiting South Haven. So. That's great. That's great. So t can you tell us a little bit about his early life in South Haven? Oh, uh, just yeah, start uh, there. I, absolutely. So uh, his parents, Liberty Hyde Bailey Sr. and his wife moved from Bangor and homesteaded another 80-acre farm. They okay. had done that in Bangor 30 years earlier, and his wife, uh, his mother said, oh, my gosh, here we go again. So they bought and were gifted that for, I think it's like $80. They bought 80 acres. Uh, mm -hmm. 
He was born in the house that his father built. Uh, he was raised as a young lad with the Native American Potawatomi Indians. Wow. He learned the care of the land and the care of the animals from the Native Americans. So when he wow. grew up, he had 80 acres to run around with his colleagues, associates from the Native American tribe. Uh, wow. They lived twice a year during migration, uh, and that's where he learned the respect for the life of the land. That led to his premier book, The Holy Earth, which you can find online, uh, published, I believe, uh, in 1915, um, okay. talking about respect and how to care for environmentalism and um, respect animals and all that stuff. So, that that book is still in use today at the universities and as part of the curriculum, or? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, okay. and and. Um, we have also, even before I joined the board, uh, the hundred-year anniversary of the book was republished with um, edits from two of our previous directors at the museum. So wow. the the Holy Earth, uh, and you can find it. And um, if you need to go to sleep at night, it's a good read because it's in old <laughs> English, but uh, it's right. also very moving. You know, I mean, the concepts are very moving. So, right. So, for the listeners that may not know about what horticulture really is, I mean, I look look up a simple definition: it's the art and practice of garden and gardening and management. But it's more than that than just that. Could you kind of elaborate a little bit, maybe, or on the? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I'll try to do my best. Taking care of the land. Bailey's father was a fruit farmer, right? So he had mm -hmm. 80 acres right. of peaches and apples that he grew. When they came from Bangor to South Haven, it's because ships were now going from South Haven Harbor in 1855 mm -hmm. over to Chicago with wood and other materials. And his father said, fruit grows better near the water. I can put them on the ships. Let's go. So what Liberty High Bailey did was learn how to make the most out of the land, improve the yield from the land, and combine botany with agriculture. And I think that's really where the original horticulture came from. Botany, wow. horticulture, and then, of course, economics of farming. And uh, uh, he was instrumental in documenting the um, different plant life. In fact, if you go back now, and, and I have to apologize because I reincarnate Bailey for a lot of presentations. So if I mm -hmm. ship, ship my name, <laughs> in his youth, um, he asked his teacher in grade school to teach him a uh, Latin. And the okay. reason is that all the scientific names are in Latin, and he didn't know what they meant. Oh. Uh, so she taught him Latin. <laughs> and I'll get emotional for a minute or two. <laughs> anyway, uh -huh. uh, and he went on to categorize hundreds of different plants 
and put them in the right um, genetic species and no nomenclature of plants. That's wow. how he um, worked the name or earned the name the father of modern, modern horticulture. Wow. Um, when he got older and he went to college at uh, Michigan Ag, he uh, met a woman, young woman, whose father was a prestigious uh, beef raiser, a farmer in uh, mid-Michigan, and they married. Hmm. And uh, that's where the rest of the family started. They had a couple of kids. After a couple of years at university, uh, at uh, Michigan College, Michigan Ag College, it had not yet been named MSU, he went off to Cornell University in New York. Oh, okay. Uh, most of his professional career was at Cornell. Uh, okay. Our homestead that we we're pre preserving and promoting is quite minor in scope to the Bailey facilities in Cornell. So if any listeners go to Ithaca, New York, to Cornell, um, they have more facilities and reverence to Bailey just because that's where he spent most wow. of his professional career. So Wow. And there's a few buildings um, named after him up at uh, Michigan State University, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a, a dormitory for the Bailey Scholars, which is a segregated kind of refined educational program where they live together, um, in embracing the environment, agriculture, etc. So the Bailey Scholars live there at Bailey Hall. There is a greenhouse that grows. Uh, vegetables for use on the university. And of course, wow. if you go to the Bailey Gardens, there's a statue of Bailey, um, which is, I believe, currently under refurbishment because it was tarnished. But, you know, that's part of what, if you go to the video tour available at our website, you'll see who's this Bailey guy, right? Right. From right. South Haven. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, the website is very informative and there's so much information. You guys have done a marvelous job on, on compiling all the history and uh, aspects of his life and, and his legacy. It's just quite a, so much to digest there. And so tell us a little bit about how the museum came into being. You mentioned that uh, a, f a family member related to someone that was a, a roommate of his uh, donated the house to the city of Grand uh, South Haven. Yep, that's that's correct. Uh, when his roommate at Michigan Ag College, because I keep saying MSU, but uh, uh, at Ag College, he and his wife were from South Haven, and uh, the eighty acres that his father homesteaded was being sold off. Um, hmm. There's a hospital which is now abandoned on part of the property. There's a new hospital on part of the property. So the bottom line is um, they donated the last two acres to the city. And uh, that's what our protection of legacy is. Okay. Two acres of woodlands, as, as Bailey called it, the backwoods. 
where he could play and learn from mm -hmm. the Potawatomi. And Isn't so they amazing? donated the house, and it is a, a city park. It's open, of course, with no big fencing, 24 hours. The museum itself, uh, in summer season, um, Wednesday through Saturday, uh, but the park and the walkway through the woods are open all the time. And uh, okay. it's really great that they donated it to the city, although some of the city may think, not, but that's besides the point because they have to mm -hmm. keep it up. Um, and we keep up the pathway in the gardens, which are lovely uh, in in Bailey's um, legacy. Well, and the best time to see the gardens is probably what, June, July, August, or year round? You have um, different plants for different seasons? Um, I would say that uh, June through September is great. And if you want to see snow in a garden, um, mm -hmm. you know, December through March is good yeah. Uh, yeah. because it, we are here in South Haven, right? So uh, uh, right. it gets, we have winter, of course, uh, but no, right. it's gorgeous and it's coming into bloom right now. Um, anytime, come and uh, join us. It's gorgeous. And like I said, even mm -hmm. if the museum's closed, which would be Sunday through Tuesday closed, um, you can still walk the gardens and walk through the backwoods and feel Bailey. That's great. So his work is still taught around the world, and a lot of the early influence in his life came from, or you represent inside the museum itself. There's a, like a, a tree showing all the people that have had an influence on his life. That's correct. Yeah. Um, that I the the apple tree of influence is how it's okay. presented um, of course his mother who uh, instilled the first love of nature you can tell i'm engaged <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> okay um, so she instilled his love of nature his stepmother um, realized how smart he is and mm -hmm. advocated that he goes to university. And okay. uh, she was the supporting stepmother to create his path when his mother died at the age of four, when he was four. He developed a speech impediment from trauma. And so one of South Haven's founding fathers helped him overcome that by suggesting that he writes a paper and presented it when he was at the age of 15 to the Pomological Society of Southwest Michigan, which is the fruit growers. Right. And training to do that helped Bailey get over his speech impediment and wow. went on to give hundreds of lectures in 70 years, right? Oh. Yeah, that's amazing. So he he overcame a lot of personal barriers in his life to to achieve his success and and you know, follow his passion. And and for the and for the people who know South Haven, the person who helped him over that hurdle has a drawbridge named after him. Wow. The Dykeman Bridge. I'm pointing, but wow. the Dykeman Bridge in South Haven is named after that gentleman who helped Bailey get past 
his challenges as a speaker. So, wow. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I was doing a little research on the history of South Haven, and I came across a book by a man named Brower called A Historical Sketch of South Haven. And he talked about in 1873, there had been like there had been orchards up and down the coast of like Michigan from Benton Harbor all the way to Grand Haven and Saugatuck. And South Haven's orchards kind of started around 1850. By 1873, though, there was a cold in January that year that killed most of the peach and apple crops in Benton Harbor, Grand Haven, and Saugatuck. And there was a cold in December that killed it in St. Joe, but South Haven survived without a scratch. And it was partly due to some of the topography of the land, the curvature of the shoreline, preventing a lot of the, the cold from coming across into the orchard. So after 1873, South Haven became the leading orchards of the whole uh, side of Michigan over there, uh, producing the crops. So that was right around his, he was 15 years old at that time, living in that point when South Haven was starting to really explode in the, in the harvesting of the orchards of peach and, and apple production. So that's yeah, the, the production of fruit. So I didn't yeah. know about the historical climate impact, but I have never heard of the issue that South Haven was impacted by a freeze like that. So that's, that's more information yeah. for me. But again, when his parents came to South Haven for the protection of the water and the temperate climate, right, for better fruit production. Right. And, and that's very indicative. Uh, there's also, by that time, huge dunes south of town and some dunes north of town that would have probably, I'm not a geologist, but probably would have yeah. uh, moderated the climate to, to right. uh, protect. And that's why we have blueberries and we have cranberries and all sorts mm -hmm. of uh, you know crops are grown here now. Yeah, it's called the blueberry capital of the world or something like that. Well, the uh, blueberry festival calls it that and other people might claim. But yes, uh, and uh, I, I would also put a, a plug in that I'm also affiliated with um, the Garden Club and the DeGrandchamp Blueberry Company family has been very supportive, helping us grow flowers for hospice all winter long. Okay, so they're very wow. big blueberry and they have orchards and stuff. But my wife forces bulbs all winter and then we can move them through. So I would put a put uh, put a plug in for DeGrand Champs because uh, they've been very supportive of the charitable efforts we're doing for hospice. She's been forcing bulbs in our storage facility all winter. And then the staff and the support of the family at the Grand Champs Blueberry Farm allows us to use their greenhouses all winter so that we're able to deliver fresh flowers to hospice program all winter long. And um, it's added a whole new dimension to gardening for wow. me. Uh, and it's been really wonderful. And that's part of the reason. I mean, they're able to do it because they're a successful blueberry right. grower and cranberry grower, and they have resources and they're very supportive. Wow, isn't that great? And that's such a good thing for the community too. 
in hospice patients and their families and the letters that the Guardian Club gets from the family members are yeah. heartwarming. Wow. So when someone takes a tour or, or schedules a tour, what are some of the more interesting things they'll see in the museum itself when they they tour and they learn about uh, Liberty Hyde Bailey or Dr. Liberty Hyde Bailey? The, the uh, structure, okay, and when he was young, he said, I will dedicate X number of years for learning. X number of years for labor. Okay. And X number of years for leisure to do what I want. Wow. And that's the theme. Where was the learning, which was in South right. Haven, and the labor at Michigan Ag, and then at Harvard, and then at Cornell. Right. And leisure turned out to be. 25 years longer than he thought. <laughs> so he, he became uh, the Indiana Jones of horticulture. Yep. Traveled the world. Wow. After his education. Wow. Um, when uh, he retired from Cornell, I think. 1917, at the age of 55 or whatever, I. I, I um, he, his wife, his daughter, and a mission missionary sailed across the Pacific to China. Wow. Then he left his wife and daughter at a monastery, and he and the priest sailed a thousand miles up the Yangtze River wow. collecting samples. Wow. And... Yeah. That's incredible. Crossbred, cataloged them, um, brought them home, and it's like, you know, 1917. Yeah, that's amazing for the. A few, a few people from New York going to China and up. Amazing. Yeah. The one continent he never made it to was South Africa. Sorry, Africa. Um, and. At the age of, uh, give me credit, 96, whatever. Yeah. Um, he slipped on the floor in a bank in New York. Wow. Getting cash. And he had tickets to Africa. Wow. And he broke his leg or hip and never was able to make that trip. But he was ready to go. Wow. So sad. At Indiana Jones. Wow. <laughs> Wow. So he cat. So his research for cataloging and indexing, you might say, of of plants and was beyond just just this home state. He went to probably all over the country and all over the world doing this research. So, yeah, absolutely. So that's how he became certainly in the states the father of modern horticulture, but also globally known. And I believe, um, I don't know exactly, but I think there are at least three statues in other countries around the globe of Bailey. So do you have any events coming up at the museum this um, August or, or um, September? We are having a art exhibition coming soon 
uh, check our website and Facebook, um, libertyhidebailey.org. Then another art exhibit, we have our Bailey, Bailey Buddy Naturalists, which is the children's program that Bailey advocated because children need to get dirty and learn mm -hmm. about nature. Yep. Um, those are the big ones. And then we have other ish, uh, other items scheduled, but they're on the website. And uh, fortunately, I don't have to remember them right <laughs> now. But, <laughs> Good. And, and but I, I mean, we're, we're, we, we've worked really hard after the pandemic to increase the activities and the events. Uh -huh. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. Great. And so that web address, again, is libertyhidebailey.org. And there's a tremendous amount of wonderful content there. You guys have definitely got to check it out. There's a video if you click up in the top right-hand corner, which is usually probably the best starting place for the museum because you'll get a, a quick uh, video tour of the history of uh, Liberty Hyde Bailey as well as the museum. And they've done a marvelous job on that. And then there's a tremendous amount of uh, written content and a calendar of events and a whole bunch of other things. I think they have probably have a way that you can subscribe and and stay in touch with the museum and support them. Definitely reach out and support um, this museum. Anything else you'd like to add about the museum? Yeah, uh, two things. One, um, with the new director that we hired that I mentioned, I think, in the beginning, um, she's helping us develop a broader reach because of her past experience. Number two, we hope in the midsummer, we'll be bilingual in the museum for um, Spanish speakers, speaking okay. population visiting because of our agricultural heritage. Thank you for coming on the show today, Dan. We covered a lot of ground, a lot of information about Liberty Hyde Bailey and his history. It's quite an interesting um, man who's probably, we could probably talk for another hour talking about some of his individual stories about him, but. Um, his impact is, is certainly felt around the world in the world of horticulture today. And, and much more than horticulture, because uh, if you go and see the video, former President Teddy Roosevelt hired him and he became a key for several developments for social improvement. Number one, he brought electricity to the farms. Right? He wow. was part of the team who brought electricity to the farms to eliminate some of the labor required to increase food production. Number two, he advocated postal service to the farms. So wow. the part of the postal service expansion, and of course, today, perhaps some of that's the economic burden, but he helped so that they would be connected. And this was, of course, long before Internet. And then number three. He created the 4-H club, 4-H program for youth. And okay. if, if your listeners don't know, look up 4-H for kids um, to bring the next generation of farmers. After all, the farmers feed us, right? So it's very important right. to keep the supply chain going for farmer kids uh, so we get food. I, I get excited with the, the three things there that are so important that people don't realize he contributed to. Yeah. It's a, it's an amazing um, history of this man. And, uh, and Michigan should be very proud that he is one of the, uh, one of his sons of Michigan here because it's, 
quite a legacy here in Southwest Michigan that he impacted the world with. And as uh, we describe at the museum, he's the most famous person in the world from South Haven that very few people know in yeah. South Haven. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show today, Dan. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate the opportunity, uh, and I look forward to the finished product. So that's going to conclude today's interview with Dan Williamson from the Bailey Museum and Gardens in South Haven, where the museum honors the legacy of Liberty Hyde Bailey Jr., the father of modern horticulture. I'm going to include the links to the museum in the description of this episode so you can check it out. I'm also going to include a link in there as well for the Holy Earth book that is sold through the museum that was mentioned in this interview with Mr. Williamson. If you like today's episode, I hope you'll take a minute to write a review on whatever app that you are listening on. And if you'd like to reach out to me to schedule a guest for a future interview or to find out more information or maybe just to chat with me about some point of history, you can reach out to me through michaeldelaware.com and there's a contact form page there and I usually try to respond to you as quickly as I can, usually within 24 hours. I certainly learned a lot today listening to Dan talk about some of the life of Liberty Hyde Bailey. It's a chapter of Southwest Michigan history that I was unfamiliar with before I brought him in on the show to interview him. It was actually from a listener on this podcast that reached out to me and put me in contact with the members of the museum to invite them on as a guest. And so I very much appreciate that. So until next time, when we take another journey into history here in Southwest Michigan and explore another chapter of interesting people, stories, and places about this wonderful section of the state that we enjoy. I hope you'll join me next time. Thanks for listening.